Welcome to the Indoor AirPod, a show dedicated to our shared surroundings with industry heavyweights that are dedicated to designing, developing, manufacturing, and disrupting the status quo in order to make all our spaces cleaner and safer for everyone. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Indoor AirPod. I'm Gary Moody, the host. My guest today is Ava Goss, and she's in Canada. She's with Aeronet, and Aeronet is a worldwide leader in IAQ monitoring. Also sitting in today is J.B. Anderson, the Indoor AirPod producer. Ava, thank you so much for your time for being here. There's a lot to discuss. Uh, you're at the AHR Expo today in Chicago. And uh, I hope it's going well for you so far. Uh, regarding IAQ monitoring, um, I'm a big advocate. I think it has a huge long-term future. But before we talk about Aeronet and who Aeronet is and your role, why don't you share some background information? You're originally, I think, if I'm not mistaken, from Latvia, but you're in Canada. Yes, uh, thanks for having me here. It's a great honor and uh, I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity to speak on behalf of Arnett and speak on behalf of uh, the company I'm representing. So originally I was born and raised in Latvia, that's true. And uh, when you think about Latvia and when I introduce myself that I am from Latvia, everybody in North America thinks, oh, that's Soviet Union. That was Soviet Union back in the day. And yeah, that's true. And, uh, but uh, if you, if you, if you will come to Latvia, you will be amazed and surprised how European we are actually are, and we've always been. And our Soviet Union passed uh, for 50 years of occupation. It, it ended in 1991 and starting from there, like starting from, from 1991, we are independent country and we have rebuilt everything Russians destroyed in our territory. And you will be amazed how great econo economy is. Like Baltic region in general is well known as a tech and startup region. We, uh, from our region, Skype is coming out. Uh, we have uh, we have many other uh, big players, um, even in nowadays. And Saf Technica is the company, also the technology company, engineering company, uh, coming from Latvia, Riga. Okay, and if, this if, if I'm not mistaken, Aeronet is not a company, but it's actually a brand and the parent company is SAF Technica. What, give us a, a little short overview of who SAF is and, and what SAF does. Yeah, we call it SAF, SAF. Okay. And, uh, and SAF Technica is the company, it's publicly listed company actually in NASDAQ. And it has a history of 25 years and it, it is owned. Uh, majority shareholders are also engineers themselves. And they're still working in the company themselves. They're hands-on with the processes and design. They put their heart in our business. And uh, Saf Technica created Aronet. And Aronet is actually the brand name of our IoT, Internet of Things product line. Okay. And how old is Aronet? Did it originate? Was it eight or nine years ago, roughly? We started... 
Uh, we started, uh, I think, the very beginning. I, I won't be able to tell you uh, how, uh, when exactly we started the brewing process, but the first sold items were in 2018. So it's already like okay. six years, like full okay. business, like full you know, marketing, web page, everything, 2018, 2019. And from there, we already have sold like more than hundred thousands of RNets, and we just see that there is a demand, there is a there is interest about IoT in general, about the wireless monitoring. You, you bet. The the Airnet uh, CO two monitor is incredibly popular. It's an outstanding device. It's it's for people primarily, as I would understand it. Either uh, you may have one with you in your hotel room today. Uh, but yes, know, I do actually. Yeah, it's for people in their home or in their office, et cetera, et cetera. Your role with Airnet is it uh, primarily about putting buildings sensors in buildings and gathering the data, and that data uh, is for the you know ultimately communicated from a base station to the cloud. But it is your role with Airnet largely with commercial buildings in the long term future? So my role, uh, my, I moved to Canada only four years ago. So that's why I have this uh, cute <laughs> accent. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I live in Canada four years and I, since then I'm representing RNET in Canada. But I have some news as well. So starting from January, I'm also working in States. So I am actually representing in both countries, RNET now. Okay. Um, and I, and RNET, we... We, I would say if we look at the RNet sales and RNet production is that the, almost a half of our business is coming from consumer product, okay. which is RNet for home and which is number one in the, in the market and has the biggest market share in the US on Amazon. You can double check that. Uh, so that's uh, that's the that's the big big uh, surprise it was for us and for SAF because it was so easy <laughs> and it was we call it our unicorn. And, and it, I think it really is. It's, it's everything. Every time I see and, and hear about it, it's nothing but really positive information. But it's it's an internet product. Uh, there's millions of buildings, as, as you know, just in the U.S., and they don't have internet IEQ monitoring capabilities, but Airnet has technology available where they have sensors that can be placed throughout the, a building, and that data can be gathered and go from there. And I, I think there's a huge future for that, but it's not going to happen quickly. What uh, what do you know about Aeronet in terms of first of all what do you offer what what metrics are you capable of monitoring inside a building uh, PM two point five VOCs uh, humidity uh, et cetera et cetera. So first, I want to differentiate the technology what we're using because we are very different from other companies who are offering IoT. Internet of Things usually is uh, it's a wireless communication between devices. This is how you, you can transmit data from one device to another. And usually, 
it's uh, Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or cellular technology, but we are using low-power wide area network and we use uh, frequency sub-gigahertz, uh, 920 megahertz band in North America specifically, in Europe it's different. So we, it's, it's actually, it's radio and you are not depending on anything else. You have the radio which is transmitting data and that's why it is so reliable and SAF, Technica, the company of 25 years, is well known uh, globally as a radio equipment manufacturer and engineering company. So that's our core business and that's our strength we're so proud of. And RNET system is built on our proprietary protocol technology, which is sending data, which is reliable, fully encrypted. So, and we have uh, plenty of sensors. And when we speak about indoor air quality, uh, we, our the most popular product, as you know, is RNET4. It measures CO2, it measures air pressure, it measures temperature, humidity, and we use the best uh, technology available in the market, which is non-dispersive infrared technology. I know after pandemics, uh, uh, there, you know, like CO2 monitors are everywhere now in 2024. You can buy them cheap, you can buy them very cheap, you can... You can choose. There is a plenty to choose from. Um, but the thing is, what worries us is that uh, consumer doesn't know what technology stands behind those cheap monitors. And of course, the cheap monitor will show you the CO2 level, but you will never know, is it actually true? You cannot, uh, you cannot check that. You just need to, you see the number and you trust it and you go with it. And that's our biggest concern. Yeah, regarding CO2, I'm sure you know this, but there's a lot of differences of opinion, depending upon who you ask, about the value of CO2 and what it actually may mean. Um, why don't you explain the importance of knowing what the CO2 level inside a school is or a business office is or even in your home? What, you know, what's the importance of that and what type of increments do you uh, indicate that uh, there should be more of a concern uh, about when it reaches a certain level. CO2 level, so CO2, it's a gas. And uh, the most common source of CO2 in buildings, hospitals and schools are coming from ourselves, from our exhale. We are breathing out, we are talking. We are singing, and this is when the CO2 builds up in the room. And if there is no enough oxygen, and if there is no enough ventilation, we become drowsy, we become tired in the best case. But in the worst case, we can get infected by the airborne virus, by the flu, by, by cold. There are so many viruses, airborne viruses, like COVID was one of them, and COVID actually... It, it was terrifying time. I think everybody remembers that. But COVID, you know, I think we all remember the stages we went through. First of all, we were washing our hands. We were disinfecting our hands. And it took some time to discover and understand that this virus is actually airborne. And it's been transmitted through through the air, through particles in the air. Um, and that's why air air quality monitoring, it's very important. But regarding CO2, yeah, regarding CO2, um, 
I tend to think that there's a, a lot of people that think that the CO2 metric can be a indicator as to whether or not the ventilation is good, okay, mm -hmm. or poor. And to take that one step further, the question that people ask me uh, is, okay, so what's what's a healthy CO2 level indoors? Mm -hmm. and, and, and what you had just mentioned earlier, shortly ago, is that uh, I think it's the number of about 1,200 parts per million is when people start to feel tired and sluggish. And then if it gets to 1,400 parts per million, roughly, that can actually impair cognitive learning in schools and worker productivity. And a final thing I'll add to that is that roughly 10 to 30% of all vehicle accidents are tied to driver fatigue. And I took your Aeronet 4 monitor and put it in my car and drove around for an hour. And the CO2 level went to like, I think it was 2,500 parts per million. Uh, I think mm. CO2 has its place, uh, but there's a lot of people as mentioned that uh, think differently about it, but I think it's an important metric. Regarding into regarding buildings, if I'm a building owner and I contacted you and I asked you to tell me about what capabilities you have and what specifically you can monitor in my building, what what would you say? What uh, you know? What metrics uh, would you say that could be monitored by putting sensors in my building? How does that work? You have a base station. The sensors communicate, as I understand it, with a base station, the base station to the cloud. And mm -hmm. if you can kind of explain, yeah. you know, what what what's that picture look like? Sure, sure, absolutely. So first of all, and um, we measure all the regular parameters like temperature, humidity in the building. We measure CO2. We measure the air pressure. We also offer a PM sensor, which is particle matter. Uh, um, and it can be measured like 1, uh, one and 2.5 and 10. Okay. Um, also, we have differential pressure sensor, which is actually amazing tool for all the companies, air filter companies who wants to monitor how quickly or when it's how quickly the filter gets full and gets dirty. Yeah. So it's from the distance remotely. So for example, if you are managing multiple buildings in Calgary or multiple buildings in the Ontario, entire province, you can see, you can monitor that through your desktop, through your computer. And the system, what we're using is the, as I mentioned, the radio frequency. So sensor is sending data, one-way communication to the base station. And uh, the base station is the heart of RNET system, it has everything in it. And uh, it has the gateway uh, functionality, it has the server, web server, uh, uh, it has its own interface. You can get the access directly to the base station. But what is different is that we keep all data there. You will never lose your data. And it can be stored up to 10 years in that I, base station. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, the filter. Um, I'm sure you're aware there are many, many millions of HVAC systems in America, and they have HVAC filters. I've talked to quite a few HVAC contractors in the past, and invariably, occasionally, I would ask them how often they see a dirty 
filthy and even severely clogged HVAC filler. And they all yeah. said, they said all the time. So you actually have a device, a sensor that can measure the pressure drop. And that in turn, you can alert either the contractor or the building owner operator that their filler <laughs> needs to change. Because I, I suspect that there's millions of HVAC filters that need change right now. It's easily overlooked. Yeah, absolutely. And outdoor air quality actually impacts indoor air quality so much. So we need to think about the not only indoors, but also outdoors. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Do you think there's going to come a day where outdoor air quality monitoring at the local level will work in tandem with indoor air quality monitoring to alert all of us that, hey, there's there's been a significant increase in PM 2.5 because there's wildfire smoke, yes. uh, et cetera, et cetera. Earlier today, I posted something on LinkedIn. Uh, Tijuana, Mexico, Mexico is close to the California border and there's a sewage treatment plant there. There's very severe odors that are migrating into Southern California. And uh, what I posted on LinkedIn was about sensors are now gonna be included. So I, I think there's a, a big long-term future if the technology is available at the local level, outdoor air quality monitoring, working in tandem with IAQ monitoring. Do you have any thoughts about that? Absolutely. Uh, I think that would that will be the future. And maybe it's in some places it's already working like that, that uh, based on outdoor data, we are adjusting the system, which is controlling indoor air for sure. I think that's that that should be the standard. We should not be waiting when 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 things get worse and then react. We should prevent prevent the danger. Hey hey everybody, JB here. I've um, been listening in, consuming the, the 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 monitoring world, the IoT of things, right? Um, and I'm just really intrigued by kind of the. The, the next gen nature of what Airnet is doing specifically, you know, when you, when, when you say internet of things, I think the vast majority of, of consumers, B2B, just people in general, they've heard the term, but they really don't understand what it means. They don't know how it works. They don't know what the end result is, you know, and it's been described to me previously in the green home world as look, we're just creating a web in which all these things touch each other, you know, and they try to work in connect, you know, connected with each other. Uh, and my question to you is just more of a, maybe a strategic uh, question. And that is, Aaron, and, and in developing the, the IoT uh, technology via these monitors, who are you really focusing on? Are you, are you looking to push the products into the consumer market to educate because they need the data? Or are you looking at the manufacturer's world to provide them kind of a triggering event, uh, a, 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 an electronic switch, so to speak, that can help improve the actual physical nature of these products? What What is the strategic vision uh, for the monitors uh, between consumer education and product integration? That's a very uh, interesting question. Um, so 
first and outmost, I think, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm think, I think, but uh, uh, we want uh, to educate consumers about what's actually going on and what actually air quality uh, parameters mean, uh, what are the risks, what are the opportunities. So I would say our ultimate goal after COVID, which really hit us everybody very hard. It was a very hard time for me personally, COVID, like because my mom almost died because of that. So it's very, very important to, to educate people. And we are working more on, on education and we are working more on products which would bring the extra additional value for the consumers. I, I'm not sure am I allowed to uh, like sure. open and, and, and tell you honestly what we're working on right now, but we are working on a few, uh, few very interesting products for the market, for the consumer market. You, you, uh, you do a lot of work with the, can, the cannabis grower companies, as I understand. Uh, you'll put sensors also, in, yeah. inside a grow house. Uh, I don't know the business. Why, why would a grower want to monitor uh, the IAQ? Oh, cannabis. oh, cannabis needs our product so much because it's all about the crop steering. It's all about the crop steering. And behind the crop steering, there is a big, big science which uh, helps the grower to predict and to plan and strategize what kind of uh, outcome he will be getting. Yeah, you know, so it's, it's, it's all about it's, the it's yield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's not only about the amounts, it's not only about the kilograms of yield, but it's also about the quality. Because cannabis, it's a very delicate plant. As you know, there are millions of uh, cannabis uh, versions and, and 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 we have a lot of medical cannabis business you know yeah, we're working with i would yeah, say mostly mostly yeah, that's our main focus well it's a huge industry and it's going to keep growing is if i'm not mistaken i certainly could be is the co2 metric probably the number one interest for cannabis growers they they have to have more co2 don't they Actually, no. Uh, okay. Actually, what they are focusing the most is uh, vapor pressure deficit and the root zone, the root zone monitoring, EC, volumetric water content, salinity, uh, how much nutrients the plant has absorbed, how much is the leftover. Um, so that's their main focus. Uh, yeah, and vapor pressure deficit. Yeah, and, and definitely the light, you know, because the, the crop has its stages when it grows, a flowering stage, vegetative gray, uh, stage, and in each stage, uh, the environment is crucial for them. Yeah, there's a real because sign. One mistake, one mistake might cost them a fortune. Yeah. For example, if somebody has left the doors open or it's cold outside or, or the lights have been left on when they have to be off so there it's very very delicate process regarding your co2 monitor for the home um i think there's a big long-term potential for hvac contractors in america to have it one in their toolbox so that when they go out on service calls 
which is the primary number one reason why an HVAC contractor is on a home or building. It's about service. It's not about IQ typically. But I, I could envision a day where a CO2 monitor could be used by the contractor to initiate a conversation that's IAQ related to their customer. Because in all probability, the chances are their customer has never seen anything about maybe they've seen the humidity level inside, but they've never seen anything about their uh, IAQ. Is that something you think that uh, would be of value? Um, CO2 is important metric, of course. And what we have seen so far is that sometimes, um, you know, when they try our sensors and they, they're trialing in their premises, they realize how bad ventilation is. They, I have had situations in my career here, so they just decide not to monitor because they realize they have no money. They have no options to change that or they're limited what they could do right so they decide not to monitor just to ignore it just to you know put it under the carpet or under the table yeah. uh which is i definitely is not the best strategy maybe you know they just think that maybe yeah they're postponing their decision to change something about that but co2 i wouldn't say that would be that is the main that is the main focus in indoor air quality when we speak about that it definitely particle matter like especially 2.5 uh, particle matter is extremely dangerous. It's hazardous uh, yeah. because it comes like there, we, there are multiple studies which are proving that this yeah. is extremely dangerous and, and we should be paying attention to that. Yeah, guys, let me let me chime in real quick because I'm sitting here the the the, uh, the novice in <laughs> in the subject matter between the three of us here, uh, and I'm going to ask just from a from a, a layman standpoint. Um, how do you view uh, the education process when it comes to these monitors, when it comes to um, an end user having a monitor and really understanding what they're looking at? Because, for example, when you say 2.5 and, you know, we talk about CO2 and we talk about all these other acronyms of things that mm -hmm. theoretically are very bad for us humans, but 99% of the population has no idea what what the, the what the street term is for the said pathogens, et cetera. How, from an educational standpoint, from a product standpoint, how is Aeronet approaching kind of dumbing down the science? Because like I, I have a monitor in our kitchen and I look at it and frankly, I have no idea what the numbers really mean. All I know is it's either green, you know, light green, light yellow, yellow, yeah. red, et cetera. And then if it gets to orangish red, we crack a window and guess what? It's green. Right. So yeah. how, where's the, where's the, the tech, the, the optics, the design uh, going to help us learn what all this really means. Uh, when we speak about CO2 and uh, CO2 levels, which are okay or which are not okay, there are multiple resources and a lot of, I think, information available uh, about the guidelines, like the same ASHRI and OSHA standards. So they are saying like up to thousand particles per million, it's okay, it's all right. Because typical outdoor 
clean, good air is around 400, 450 particles per million. Indoors, when you go indoors, the good air quality can be up to 800 particles per million or 600. It depends. Like there are so many, uh, how to say, mm, there's a lot of speculation about the limits, what actual limits are. But I would say it's not worth to fight over, which is fight over the limits, which are okay, which are kind of good. I think we should be paying more attention when it's really become dangerous and, and not healthy for us. So, yeah. so the real, real quick follow-up, because this, this is really my question. Like how do we, and where, where is the agreed upon standard going to come from? For example, if we run a parallel into another industry, let's talk about finance for just two seconds here. When you think of finance and you think of the markets, you turn on CNBC, you look at the screen, Green is good, red is bad. And then all the other data that that feeds into the why, is, for most people, they don't care. Within the IAQ world, how do you envision us getting to a point in which green is good and red is bad? And who's going to determine what the, the that threshold line is going to be? I think these these lines are already defined by, by ASHRAE and OSHA associations, institutions which are taking care, which are like scientists, communities, which are, um, which are in, you know, working on that. That's their job. And the governments are introducing specific guidelines which building owners has to, has to follow. And this is where I think that that's the lim that's the information we can rely on. Yeah, that, we should be relying on. That, that's well put, Avia. Personally, I think IAQ monitoring is at a very, very early stage. Um, and I think in the long term, more and more of the public is going to want to have an idea what they're exposed to, what are they actually breathing. And so they'll, they'll learn. This could take years to educate the public. The reason I mentioned uh, regarding HVAC contractor and just having your CO2 monitor that could create a conversation between a contractor and their customer to talk about PM 2.5 and mold and VOCs. And the contractor in the years ahead will literally go into millions of homes and buildings on service calls. And I think that has a long-term potential for the HVAC contractors of America to educate their customer. Regarding building buildings, uh, if there's any building type of building that should have IQ sensors in it, I think without question it could be school should be schools and nursing homes. These types of buildings, the uh, the most vulnerable are there, and I can envision a day where uh, maybe someday there will be sensors that will be common in buildings, and the data is gathered, and you know it, it, it will just evolve over a period of years, but it's not going to happen quickly. What are your thoughts about that? So I really like comparison uh, with cholera outbreak in 19th century. And uh, it, it happened in London, I think it was uh, after 1866. So and after this terrible outbreak, the sewage system was introduced. It was improved and made and because the city city's drinking water was was it was intermingling with human waste and it was spreading bacteria 
in in and it was one outbreak after another so human race had to experience the whole air outbreak to do something about it and covid maybe also works in a similar way because now we started to pay attention we are started to monitor air quality around us, even not only in businesses, not only in hospitals or schools, but also on our daily lives. And this is where actually the consumer started to pay attention and consumer got this product, got this monitor, which helps him to do the monitoring. And I really want to I want to bring this up and uh, to 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 compare these two phenomena when when like uh, industrial measurement and industrial parameter CO2 gas comes out of the businesses and it goes into our homes and into our consumers and the same happened actually to SAF because SAF has never been consumer oriented company never We've always worked with businesses. We've always worked with the broadbands and ISPs and utilities companies with engineers. But since Arnett 4 came, we started to work with the consumer. And that's actually very fresh and new for us. We are also learning a lot on the way. We are not uh, one of the one of the next consumer marketing uh, companies who are who are working with those those these this audience so we are also learning on the way how, how does air, hope, yeah how does the airnet go to uh market regarding the commercial sector do you have partners uh, if somebody's listening and they want to consider becoming involved in some way yeah. with airnet and just only sell to the commercial sector uh, yeah what, me personally yeah me personally and as my colleagues in north america or in europe or in australia so we work as uh, representatives in these countries and we are working with a partner network uh, okay. we are not working with consumer product at all so okay. we are not selling we're not uh, this is in happening uh, separately but we work we are looking for partners we're mostly looking for integrators because our system alone it has uh, limitations and we see the bigger value as being part of the some bigger network or controller uh climate control company or, or or building automation system because we also want to deliver value for the client so he doesn't have to look for information in multiple sources he has one place where he goes, where he trusts the data, and Arnett is there. Okay, that's that's well put. Do you think uh, do you think building owners actually will want to have IAQ monitoring that would be transparent to all the occupants on the premises? Uh, my guess is that many will not because of potential liability reasons. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts on that? In the beginning, we had Arnett 4 only with a screen, you know, so everybody could see the number. But then we started to receive uh, inquiries that can we take off that screen? Maybe we can have just a monitor yeah. and just to see, not to not to create a panic, not to create the stress. And uh, 
Yeah, it's a journey. I think it's a journey. It's a very hard journey for all involved because I believe everybody has their best intentions in, in their mind, even those who doesn't want to monitor or who, who are avoiding that. Even those, you know, I think they are, it's it's a journey. You bet. As I mentioned shortly ago, it's uh, IQ monitoring based only on what I'm observing. It's very, very early stage with a huge... Yeah future long term. Yeah, let me let me actually throw a quick question in there along those exact lines because um really really popular in in the tech news these days is Apple in particular is integrating into their iPhone into the Apple Watch etc air monitoring apps. Can you speak to that reality? You just you just indicated that you, you know you guys are really focused on kind of a, a, a wholesale kind of a B two B market with your monitors, but on the consumer side, when Apple gets into something, it's usually because there is either real demand in real time or there's pent up demand that nobody realizes they want it yet, and they're going to make everybody want it. What do you think about? Um, the fact that a company like Apple is getting involved in visible, wearable air monitoring equipment. Um, I I think that's a good trend in general, that it goes closer to the consumers and uh, they are integrating this option in Apple Watch. Like I have my own I also have an Apple Watch and I also have noticed that it uh, measures the noise around me, what's happening. But when it comes to air quality, I I am still a little bit cautious because um, app, like everybody needs to do what they do the best. And Apple is good in the technology, you know, communication technology. But air quality monitoring, like the same, this non-dispersive technology, it has specific requirements. There are physical requirements to to uh, to um, manufacture device which is operating properly and measuring properly, and we 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 vouch for that. But like those gadgets, it's just nice to have. You see the number. Oh yeah, it measures. But but is it like true measurement? Is it accurate? How accurate it is? What's happening with the calibration? Well, How you calibrate no. it on your hand? Now, wait a second. Are you saying that my steps are not actually my steps? Are you saying there's a potential that I'm lazier than what my watch is telling me? Yes, you can do oh, that. No. <laughs> Did you know? You can do this. You can wave your hand there and, shake. and you yeah. will be hundreds, hundreds of steps is going to be there. I think <laughs> monitoring is, as you and I know, Avia, um, it's extraordinarily complicated. It's not simple, but I think what Apple sees is a long-term future that millions yeah. and millions and millions of people are going to want to have an idea what they might be exposed to because we all want to stay out of harm's way that's that's for certain i mean isn't that really what we're talking about here it's this balance between true technology internet of things uh, greater awareness within the iaq realm it, clearly defining what the acronyms mean and how many parts per million will kill you and won't and if if apple's getting involved that means we're approaching a, a significantly dumbed down version of all of this, which is probably a good thing. 
for a company like Aeronet because the popularity clearly is growing. Is do you see it any other way, or do you see that as a wave that you guys can can jump on as well? Um, it's uh, you know I, I yeah I actually I do, I'm not sure actually how to how to comment this particular case because I haven't explored, I haven't learned more about the Apple there, what their plans are and what technology they're using and how credible is that. I see when I, if I see something on, on my phone or, or on my watch, I would consider this as like, you know, nice, nice to have nice feature, nice feature. But can I, can I make like a big strategic business decisions based on that? I'm not sure. Absolutely. I'm not. not sure. And I think and I think like it's nice to have these features, but in the longer run, I'm a little bit afraid about the risks that it, they are degrading the actual actual technology, which is measuring more precisely and which is accurate and which is the source of uh, credibility, you know. But I don't know. I, that's why I'm a little bit uh, <laughs> cautious about no, that because I, I maybe they're it. using i don't know yeah it's 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 next next gen tech so i i totally understand Absolutely. your apprehension yeah they, the key mm-hmm. the key avn we both know this that it really is about pollution because pollution sickens and kills people indoors and outdoors and outdoors pollution plays the leading role in climate change and IAQ monitoring has enormous long-term potential to help create IAQ awareness, which will in turn help save lives. So there's an incredible future for IAQ monitor monitoring long-term. This isn't going to happen quickly. We, we both know this is very complicated because there's a lot more to it. But the thing I like about IAQ monitoring, at least at this point in time, it's a common sense investment, and it, it draws attention to the subject of IQ. And it's up to anybody to try and figure out, you know, what they want to do about that. So I'm a, I'm a big believer long term. Uh, regarding your company, Aaron, it's a fantastic company, and you guys do a fantastic job marketing. I mean, Thank you're in. You so you're, much. Thank you. I've seen, as I'm sure you have, on internet. I mean, there's been plenty of people on airplanes of all places that would have your yeah. CO2 monitor and take a quick snapshot. Uh, you know, that creates awareness, and, and that that's healthy, and that that also is educating in a certain respect. But uh, you know, it just kind of is what it is, and uh, we're running kind of short on time, Avia. Where can people find you on social media? We are everywhere. So the most uh, information you can find on LinkedIn, that's our strongest channel. But our website, you know, www.rnet.com, YouTube channel, we have a few videos explaining the air quality and and, and other, other aspects of monitoring so yeah everybody's welcome to reach out and get in touch and me myself i'm avia goss on linkedin if somebody from canada or states wants to reach out feel free to do so uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm actually yeah yeah, yeah you're also, I to- you do some great tiktok videos aaron it does 
And I, I know you do have done some outstanding YouTube videos, but again, you're you personally on LinkedIn. Are you on Facebook or Twitter? Uh, yeah, but Facebook I use no. Facebook is just for my family and friends, like very okay. close circle. I, I do I don't do a lot of stuff there, but uh, LinkedIn I'm I'm there all the time. <laughs> I'm happy to connect and network. And actually, Gary, I wanted to mention like since we are here in Chicago and we are in the show, a chair. So yesterday we, uh, at least five people came over just randomly with Arnett 4 in their hands. And they said, hey, I just wanted to drop by and say hello. How awesome is this? You know, it was so nice. It was so warm. And we don't know these people by names. They're not our partners. They're just exactly. one of our clients. And that yeah. was really, really sweet. Well, you have a wonderful brand with a fantastic reputation. Thank you for listening to the Indoor AirPod, produced by Gaslight STL your podcast partner. Be sure to give our show a follow to keep up with upcoming guests and topics. And please reach out with any questions or guest suggestions.